You know, it's something weird that I randomly woke up early today. I felt like I needed to sit at my desk in front of my microphone with the red light on, my recording program going, and I I just don't understand why I feel the urge to just get on, to wake up, talk to my microphone to a blank screen. Hey. Wait. Hey. Am I, am I hearing things? What's you ready to go, partner? Hey, dirty dog, I hear you calling. I think it's time for the show. The sleep hold has got me confused, but maybe here we go. Mr. Hills and the dog from Maine, Event Status Radio. They're recording again. Aha. Bagels and biceps all over my screen. What are we supposed to do? Hello, everybody. You probably thought you would never hear my voice coming through this podcast feed again. It's your boy, Mr. Beverly Hills, on one end of the microphone. And I got the podcast superstar, the man holding down West Central Minnesota, Mr. Dirty Dog Darcy. How you doing, big guy? Can you hear me? Can you hear <laughs> this me? Thing's on. This thing's on, big guy. Who's this come a chameleon character? <laughs> oh, I am the karma chameleon. I am. I thought what better way for me to start blabbing by pulling a Mongo McMichael line with, <laughs> Classic. I, with I believe, episode 91, I think, that we're oh my finally doing all these this- Oh, this is episode 91. I thought uh, the Michael McMichael one was, and I was like, no, that's got to be pretty early. I do miss the Great American Bash at the Beach Tour. Oh, yes. Well, we were on it, man. So I had a idea, and I was kicking it around. Always a dangerous thing. Always a dangerous thing when Dirty Dog gets an idea. That is correct. I was thinking, I was kicking it around, and out of the blue recently, I sent you an email and said, Mr. Beverly Hills, I got an idea. And this is our idea, and I was kicked it to you, and I was thinking about it off and on over the last three years, I think, three and a half years. I was thinking, (laughs) I miss jumped on Skype with you and I miss the conversations we used to had in college talking about professional wrestling and we decided to ways scrap what we were doing before to do what we always enjoyed doing is getting on Skype on a Saturday or whenever our schedules work out and talk about wrestling, whatever's going on, whatever is on our mind, whatever you feel like covering, you know, you're going to get on. And I am happy that after all this time, Elton, John, we're finally making this a happen. Yeah. It's just more of like a, a shooting the bull type session. Yeah. I mean, the the peek behind the curtain, the whole prep and, uh, lead up stuff was for me, one of the reasons why kind of pooped out on, uh, 
the previous iteration. So when you kicked to me just an idea of you assembling a few news notes or um, extra things that you had from the flagship Wrestling with the Dog podcast, I immediately jumped on that because it sounds like a lot of fun to me. So, And I know I can also speak on my end that with my goofy work schedule, it didn't help both that I always had to watch the show whatever we were reviewing. Oh, yeah. Like the week in advance, no matter how good my notes was, I have a bad short-term memory issue or... Even yeah. longer. That's almost a long-term memory issue. And yeah. I guess what I'm saying is no matter how good of notes I take, I still have a tough time remembering what I watched. Even if I just got done watching it before you jumped mm. on... I still have a bad memory. I remember every details, and I know sure. that I'm sure played a factor in you being burnt out. And, oh, it's okay. And but I just got excited when I reviewed the Latino Heat parking lot brawl from SmackDown of September the 11th, 2003, between then United States Champion Eddie Guerrero and John Cena. I found a news note, Mister Beverly Hills. Okay, that I wanted to kick off this episode with because I know it is something you and I quoted with each other and I believe was one of our biggest ties why we became such fast friends in 2007. Okay, all right. And like just to notify everybody, this is the first time hearing of this. All, all of these news items, notes that are going to get kicked to me, it's the first time I've heard them too. So go ahead, big guy. So, in the September 20th, 2003 edition of the Pro Wrestling Torch, Wade Keller reported on a news story in regards to Randy Savage doing publicity <laughs> for his album, Be a Man, by, re- by reporting, Randy Savage is doing publicity for his new rap album CD and is challenging Hulk Hogan to a match at WrestleMania 20. Oh my gosh! Wait, okay, do you, you just want me to kick every just every knowledge of this because this is like one of my favorite topics to discuss. The the Randy Savage rap CD, I love just about everything of it. I probably one of the things I don't know maybe that made you think of getting back on with me is earlier this summer I was just listening to Spotify. And I've never listened to any type of Randy Savage on Spotify. And just in a random play, Be a Man comes on. And it's like, it's meant to be. So I had to send it on to Dirty Dog. I love the Randy Savage rap album. Um, The two outstanding tracks for me um, are Be a Man, the titular track. And then hit the floor, which I am a huge fan of, um, because it also features uh, one hit wonder of the '90s, DJ Cool, um, from "Let Me Clear My Throat" fame, uh, and just I I just love it. I love kicking it with the uh, Dirty Dog, thinking about well, smoke, come on, hit the floor. I love it. Besides, tell me, tell me your side of it. Besides those two awesome tracks. Couple of my favorite from favorites from that album was "Remember Me" just because of the chorus. Ooh, that's a good one too. Because of the chorus, la 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 la. Remember, Remember me, me. The and same old macho that I used to be. 
I love how the opening track, which leads into the second track of, like, listening to a news report, a news station, Channel 5 News, (laughs) 5 p.m. News, and at the end, which leads to the second track, we hear Randy Savage say, I'm back. (laughs) Which... I, and then what what song comes back after the I'm back? Is it Hit the Floor or what is it? Let me you pull pull out the CD, which I know you have. I just because it's within the arm reach, I'm just grabbing my iPod. Oh, since okay. I know I thought I thought you were gonna have the album. <laughs> it is the intro, I'm back, then oh, okay. are you ready? <laughs> oh, I don't know that one. But I just, I think you need to buy "Be a Man" on uh, like vinyl and uh, <laughs> like frame it. That is an interesting idea, which I'm gonna look on Amazon once we get done what do recording. You, what do you think I'm doing right now? Look it up on Amazon. <laughs> so while you're doing that, I would like to go on to finish the oh, report. Sadly, only audio CD. How sad! Disappointing. All right, uh, go ahead. I'm going to go on and finish Wade Keller's report by right, by him writing. It would be fitting, but Vince McMahon has said privately for whatever reasons that the one wrestler he would never bring back is Savage. Hogan also doesn't like Savage, but if Hogan believes that there's only way the only way he can talk his way back in the WWE in time to appear as a wrestler at WrestleMania 20, he may be, uh, bury the hatchet for one night, unquote. And I just, when I saw that, I was thinking back in 2003, being 15, 14, yes, 15 years old, a dirty puppy dog, Darcy, and I can't do math, (laughs) that and if I would have heard as a 15-year-old dirty puppy dog, Darcy, on Randy Savage coming back and Hogan coming back, I would have been more excited to see Randy Savage back over Hogan because... I know Savage showed up on TNA Impact before, which I never really was paying attention to. I think and, that was a little later. I gotta look at that, but and keep going. I I just w- wanted to bring that up because Hogan was on our TV screen in WWE TV off and on for a year and a half prior, two years prior before WrestleMania 20. So I'd be more excited to see Savage back over Hogan. And I was thinking at Madison Square Garden, WrestleMania 20. What better way in the middle of the show getting a rap concert by Randy Savage? <laughs> I love that your idea of the return would have been him rapping, not just like him showing up. I feel like he would have gotten a much bigger pop just if he would have showed up rather than if he would have came rapping. Um, on my end, you know, I probably wasn't too psyched on – um a savage return at that point because I just, you know, his last few years in WCW were really lackluster and um, just to me, just not interesting at all. So I, I probably would have just been kind of a whole hum uh, on a return. I guess I was excited because I didn't have cable. I think right around Christmas of 98, so I missed the last few years of okay. Randy Savage coming back, being big in bulk with Team Madness, and yeah. that's why I was more excited about the idea of Randy Savage coming back, because who doesn't love the neon-wearing Randy Savage with yeah. the tassels and, and telling us to uh, 
Like I said, I say, say BMM, but tell us to freak out, freak out. <laughs> now, just to flip the script a little bit or change subjects, have you ever seen that Randy Savage return in late 04? I think I remember seeing, for some odd reason, I do remember seeing Savage in uh, a trench coat, I believe, a black yes. trench coat okay. with a black cowboy hat. You know, showing up on team the Impact Studios or whatever at Universal Studios in Orlando, that's really the only thing I remember. And I remember, for some reason, Savage being in a six-man main event for mm-hmm. TNA pay-per-view. And yep. I think it was supposed to go into the following pay-per-view with Jeff Jarrett, challenging Jarrett for the NWA title, but that never happened. Yes, that is entirely correct. Run in, run in. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny seeing Mrs. Hills walking down the stairs, especially after we are talking. Oh, since we are talking about Randy Savage. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe she just did a run in right now. It makes sense. Her music didn't even hit. She is your Miss Elizabeth, so it makes sense. She doesn't even work here. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, as, <laughs> as I was saying, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that six man, you're, you're, <laughs> I can't you're, you're right that he, he wrestled in a jack, had a jacket the whole time. I think he maybe got in like once into the match and then the story going around was that. The reason he wore this jacket was, I guess, number one, he was, like, a little uncomfortable with his physique, but more so that he was afraid that Jarrett, Nash, and Hall were going to shoot on him, so he had a knife in the jacket, and he was going to, like, if they (laughs) tried to do something on him. So he went crazy. I'm I'm afraid of what would have happened at WrestleMania 20, I I think it was probably a good idea that he didn't come back. Just knowing this, hearing stories about Randy Savage and how paranoid he was yeah. throughout his wrestling career, I'm not surprised that he was that paranoid that he had to bring a knife of some sort. <laughs> yes. And just in cases, if uh, the Kings of Wrestling, I believe they were called, yes, correct, want to be funky like a monkey. <laughs> Apparently, also in 1999, he was on Walker, Texas Ranger, which was a big uh, favorite of my mom. (laughs) She loved Chuck Norris, even though she even freely admitted that he was a terrible actor. (laughs) But I am interested in what Macho Man did on, uh, (laughs) on Walker, Texas Ranger. I wonder if he walked in wearing a trench coat. Oh, it looked like, nope, because in the screenshot here, he is uh, shirtless. Um, he He's going to fight Walker in a cage, maybe. Um, yep, they're in a cage. Macho Man just said, come on. Walker just hit him. Um, let me fast forward. Oh, another, oh, trading punches. Ooh, Macho Man with a big knee to the gut. Ooh, yeah. Okay, fast forward. We got Walker, a.k.a. Chuck Norris. He's choking. 
Uh, macho. Oh. Oh, almost like a victory roll from the top from Walker into us into an arm bar or no, like a triangle here. We got Frank Shamrock looking on, by the way. I don't want to. Oh, and Macho's asleep. Walker wins via triangle choke. Well, it makes sense that the Walker hit some sort of sleep hold on the Macho. Yes, he did. With a, yes. Kind of an, uh, a reverse triangle. And something I do also want to get your thoughts on that. I was also digging around to see what the n- number one singles were in 2003. And okay. Just because... That so that's what, you're re- that's what you're recording on as we're speaking, is that correct? I record... Or like you're gonna... Today, as or- of us recording, I recorded this episode a few weeks back. Oh, so, it should okay. be, oh, so that's the one that's coming out. That should be dropping okay. here within next week or two. Oh, okay. All right, gotcha. I just want to get on the same page. Yeah. I. This is still from 2003, so throughout okay. the whole year 2003, some of their number one singles include Shake a Tail Feather by Nelly, P. Did, and Murphy Lee. Can I do it? Oh, so, oh, so. Wee, 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 wee. Dun, dun, just do it for fun. Dun, dun, we just do it for fun. Come here, girl. Who your name is? Where you from? Turn around. Who you came with? Is that your ass or your mama have right there? You can't explain it, but damn sure glad you came here. Dude, shake your tail feather. Huge in my life. Um, if what what era of 03 are we looking at? September? So okay. This was the number one single over the week of September the 11th, 2003. Okay. So that brings me back. I was a junior in high school in... Uh, 2003 um i played football um and my junior didn't get on the field much but uh on the sidelines uh, i was known for some of my friends uh some of these female friends would yell out uh my name shake your tail feather and i would then proceed to do so so i was a like a sideshow attraction at the football field relating to Shake Your Tail Feather. So, which you know, would shake ex- what your mama gave you, right? Which would explain why you always loved me walking in your room when we lived together, stopping, posing, and shaking my, shaking my <laughs> rear end like Dusty yep. Rhodes and walking out. <laughs> now, you know, not always, but Shake Your Tail <laughs> Feather, uh, a close, close to my heart. Okay, what else you got for me? Lose Yourself by Eminem was also a big hit in 2003. And I always find to be funny hearing about Eminem having big hits when we were in high school because sometimes when I ride the school bus to and from high school, our our bus driver would play 101.3 KDWB, which would be a (laughs) top 40 pop station out of the cities. And a lot of... The people on the bus loved Eminem, partially because of how angry Eminem was, and also you know going through puberty and such, figuring ourselves out in high school. A lot of us were angry at our parents for making <laughs> us angst, yes. go, do chores, homework, go to bed at an early hour, and all that stuff. And I just want to get your thoughts and memories of Eminem in high school. 
Well, so my my memories of particularly Lose Yourself relate to my high school job, which was working at Subway. I was indeed a sandwich artist. And uh, that same radio station you're talking about, KDWB, was playing at the Subway. And Lose Yourself was so popular uh, during that fall. And I particularly remember that because once uh, it played three times in a row. Uh, with no commercial break. It, I don't know how they uh, messed up the play or if that's what they're going for, but it played three times in a row. And uh, subsequently, I was not much of a fan of that uh, song because I heard it so freaking much at work. So you one can see you didn't lose yourself while listening to Eminem. No, I I wanted to lose my, I wanted to lose my location. Uh, I wanted to get away. Uh, so yeah, not not my the early ones. It's songs when he first kind of hit the scene um, were were interesting to me. You know, as kind of an earlier teen, just because they I don't know were angrier, were had a different edge to them. Um, not. I mean, like, not the same kind of gangsta rap stuff, but more just, like, angsty. So, it was I don't know, it was interesting. I like Dr. Dre, so he was with him. I don't know. And one last song I do want to talk about that I have fond memories of, and for really no particular reason, was Bump, Bump, Bump by B2K <laughs> featuring B. Diddy. P. Diddy. The, oh. the same, the same P Diddy that was in Shake Your Tail Feather. He was, he was around a lot in '03. I don't know why in my notes I wrote down B Diddy. B. Diddy. I don't know why I said <laughs> that too. <laughs> that makes me really. I love B Diddy. <laughs> my Bill Mercer moment, I guess. This, this, this oh, who, who's this person that I've never heard of? This, <laughs> this rapper B Diddy. Who is this man? I'm, I'm much higher class than that. I'm listening to Randy Savage. I don't know who this, who this Diddy fellow is. <laughs> and, I guess to tie it into current wrestling, I we are taping this on the same day that. AEW is having their all-out pay-per-view. Yeah. And I've been finding it to be very interesting, Mr. Hills, that AEW big shows have been happening on a Saturday night over the traditional Sunday night pay-per-views. And I want to get your thoughts, your hot take about Saturday pay-per-views because in theory, I kind of prefer a Saturday night pay-per-view or evening pay-per-view compared to Sunday because most normal folk have Sundays off. It's easier, in theory, to hang out on a Saturday night to watch a wrestling pay-per-view over a Sunday night. First off, I need to know where you were going with that B2K. You t- you talked about it, and then because you said B-Diddy, you lost it. What was there? Did you have a story related to B2K? Or I, you, big, you a big Omarian fan? Or I guess what? I... I just remember listening to B2K bump, bump, bump on the radio and recording that on a blank cassette tape. Oh, what? And and dancing by myself in my room in high school to that song because of the beat and, I guess, the song title, Bump, Bump, Bump. Oh, my God. 
We are. My mind is blown. I am on a new plane of existence right now, knowing that you taped bump, bump, bump off the radio and then subsequently danced to it. If I didn't think I liked you enough, I now like you even more. Like there's, I didn't think I could have more respect for you. It just like, boop, went over the edge. I love this so much. And you go, bump, bump, bump. Baby, show me. Okay. Now back to the message in hand. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Saturday nights. Um, not that I don't, I don't watch a lot of, uh, wrestling when it airs, I guess. Um, I usually end up doing it through the week instead. Um, but in theory, like you said, in theory, Saturday sounds more fun. I feel like I would be more apt to watch it with friends on a Saturday if I had friends who watch wrestling, I guess, or if I had friends at all. <laughs> so if you don't have any friends, what am I? Oh, you're more than that, buddy. So I am you're a my, fig- my partner in crime. Well, I'm happy I'm just not a figment of your imagination. Sometimes. Are you sure that I'm not a figment of your imagination? I am happy if you are a figment of my imagination. Somehow, some way, I can pull that voice out of my mind and put it in an audio <laughs> file online. Call it podcast. I'm, I'm really afraid of like what part of your psyche would be me. Like what what figment <laughs> of uh, of your imagination I would be. But anyway, what's what's so? Uh, do you have any like response to that, or do you agree with that, or I? I do like the Saturday night pay-per-view because of, like I said, with my weird, goofy hours, I feel like it's easier for me to get up on a Saturday, wake up earlier on a Saturday, to get together with a bunch of friends that don't have the overnight work schedule like Mm -hmm. I do to be able to get together, hang out, grab a bite to eat, throw down a few cold beverages, take a couple shots of vodka, and watch a pay-per-view. It's getting real right now in St. Cloud. Um, yeah, I, I am getting, I'm an old man at this point, and uh, I don't really do anything on Sundays past like 3 p.m. So uh, I probably would not travel to anybody's house on Sunday night because Sunday night is basically just for like crying about the work week for me. So uh, yeah, Saturdays are, are, like my day to do fun things like talk with my uh, bro Darce man here. But uh, yeah, so I, I think the idea of, of Saturday night uh, pay-per-views is really cool. Um, and it's also really differentiating them from WWE, which I think is going to be super, super key uh, to uh, potential success for them. Yeah. Cause that's one thing I do like the idea of AEW doing Saturday nights because, like you said, to be different from the WWE, and I feel like that's why WCW and Monday Nitro in the mid-90s took off so well because they wanted to be different from the WWF at that time. 
And I feel like that'll be the only way that AEW could get it off his feet is just to try to be different than the WWE since I know you and I don't really watch current pro wrestling too much or too closely as we used to. And just because it isn't our bag anymore, as words of dude love, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I just like the idea of differentiating itself from the WWE because I know a lot of wrestling fans do want an alternative to the WWE because without competition, it seems like Vince McMahon isn't really too keen on trying to do something different and really pushing the, the competitors that fans want to see. Sure. Well, I just think like when you look at the last uh, 20, 25 years, maybe more even, the times that, and especially I guess since since WCW came to popularity and then eventually left, the times that um, the competitor, the, the number two promotion, whatever, came either the closest to matching or getting past uh, the WWE, WWF, would have been when they were most different. Um, I guess maybe not in the WCW sense because it was when they had Hogan and such, but when you look at when Ring of Honor reached its highest popularity, it was because they were presenting such a different product with athletic-based competition. When TNA reached its closest level, it was when they were um, promoting guys like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe who were very different from what was happening on WWE TV at the moment. Um, And I feel like that's you just have to keep doing that. And... Alternatively, when those groups got too much like WWF, that's when they declined because, um, you know, if there's a the number two is just imitating number one, we'll just watch the original then, right? That's anything with uh, that's with any brand, right? If the if the alternative isn't really an alternative well, then I'm just going to watch the original or use the original or drink the original, whatever. Yeah, I feel like like that's why TNA never really got off the ground because they wanted to be so much like WWE. Yeah, they they kept wanting to beat them at their own game. If they wanted to beat them at their game, they should have got Triple H. (laughs) Oh, jeez. But I guess I also got found some couple things from the year 1998 that okay. I'd like you to kind of put it in perspective for me since you're more keen on following history and more yeah, into that's pop, kind of my thing. More into pop culture than than the dog. Okay. And a big news story that I read in the Wrestling Observer newsletter and Pro Wrestling Torch covering when Jesse Ventura became was elected as our governor. Okay. And I know uh, Norm Coleman was uh, mayor of St. Paul at the time, and Correct. Skip Humphrey was uh, attorney general. And okay, I, just, I, I was going to ask you what his uh, position was. I yeah, couldn't remember that. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, or ask you, how big is like the St. Paul mayor is in regards to since that is where our state capital is and also your thoughts on the attorney general because i guess to pull a line from ventura he shocked the world when he was elected as governor and i feel like in ways i guess to tie it into nowadays 
I feel like the groundswelling that we saw in 98 and electing Ventura, we saw that with when Trump was elected as president, that people just wanted somebody different. And that's why we elected who we elected as our governor in 98 and nowadays with our president. Yeah, uh, so a few different things to unpack there. I would agree with you that he definitely rode just kind of a an anti-establishment um, mentality to his win. Uh, yeah, similar to the 16 presidential election, just, you know, not a ton of, uh, like, real policy ideas, just kind of like a, we're going to do something different, and if you get with me, we'll do it. And then people will be like, what is that? And he's like, something different. It's very circular logic, which is uh, similar to what we see now. Um, as to the ranking of those other things. Um, so attorney general isn't like a super high profile, a state attorney general isn't a super high profile position. Um, Humphrey though comes from a political family. Um, his relative, I got to check if he, if it's his dad or if it is uncle or something, let me do that real quick. I believe his his grandfather. his, his grandpa was no his son no so his dad he is the son his dad uh, was the vice president of the United States so um, he had definite name value uh, looks like his mom was also a senator as well uh, so he although his position didn't wasn't much uh, like I said had a ton of name value um, uh, the um, mayors of the two since yes in Minnesota that you and maybe heard Twin Cities uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis two pretty uh, high profile cities that are the two largest cities in the state um, their mayors then grab that uh, notoriety they're probably kind of like in the second level of political hierarchy in the state where the national positions like the senators are up top kind of in between would be the governor then those two guys or ladies would be next make, make, and it really depends on who's who's holding that you know yeah it makes sense because yeah, i just wanted to get your thoughts and something i feel like not necessarily ventura kind of helped turn the page because Reagan also was California governor and then became president and had it, had his hand in acting and Ventura also acting wrestling then Arnold Schwarzenegger into Donald Trump. But I do want I do feel like also with Ventura being a former wrestler kind of got into, got us fans into following politics more, even if it's just his one term as governor I guess I do want to get your thoughts on Ventura being one of few who had a big career outside of politics and stepping into that world, even if it was for one term as our governor. You know, I I hate to say it right now, but your bubble is showing. Your bubble is showing pretty bad. Uh, There are lots of politicians who have parlayed... Uh, success from other realms uh, into politics. Um, He's definitely not the first, uh, not even close to the first. Um, 
you like I said, your your bu- your wrestling bubble is showing a little bit. But yeah, we got actors like Reagan. We got um, sports stars like uh, Steve Largent, J.C. Watts, um, uh, Jim Bunning, um, even astronauts like Neil Armstrong and uh, Buzz Aldrin, uh, John Glenn. Uh, soldiers like well many but notably john mccain yeah he was he was definitely not the first guy to do that but uh yeah it's it's kind of a well-worn tradition where somebody from a different uh industry or whatever can parlay that into politics and do you remember much about during that time frame time magazine trying to vote on the man of the century I don't. Man oh, of the century or man of the year? I believe century. Because wow. Okay. And I, who, who are they looking I, at? I vaguely remember this because it appeared on wrestling TV, which is, isn't a surprise why I re- kind of remember it. But Dave Meltzer reporting in the November 2nd, 98 edition of The Observer by writing, On the Time Magazine internet balloting for man of the century, Ric Flair is in third place. <laughs> okay. Trailing... Jesus Christ. <laughs> and okay. and Adolf Hitler. Oh my god. Well that if that doesn't show you like uh internet trolls la- are not a new thing, um I don't know what would because that is ridiculous. Something that's also <laughs> ridiculous that Dave Meltzer did a five-word Can sentence. I tell you who won? Can I tell you who won? Who? Not any of those people. Albert Einstein, which is a much better choice than the the three that were leading um, the internet polling. And Dave Meltzer's last sentence in that little blurb was, was a five-word sentence. And I was wondering, since you have it in front of you, if this was true. Okay. At, as a reporting... Raven is in ninth place. <laughs> and okay. I just, when I read that in that Observer, I laughed out loud and thought how ridiculous that was. And I'm like, I need to save this just for whenever I get a chance to finally talk to you to bring that up just to hear you laugh. Well, I can tell you, uh, it does not appear as if Raven was in the top hundred. Um, <laughs> number two and three were uh, Gandhi, um, Mahatma Gandhi, and uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, <laughs> Raven. Oh man, that is tremendous. That is just tremendous. And I know you, well, I think we mentioned before on Main Event Status Radio that you got me into, originally listening to uh, Wrestling Observer Radio with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. And I found something interesting in 2002 that Wade Keller reported, at least that's where I found about Steve Austin and Goldberg in talks of possibly starting their own wrestling company in 2002. And okay. I was just, wow. I was just interested on, I 
by that reaction, I assume this may have been the first time you yep. heard of it, at least if not in a long time. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. Man, yeah, I don't know if I've uh, ever heard that one. Um, that definitely, if if they would have gotten um, some type of outlet, a, a TV uh, deal, and some type of money backing, I could definitely see that uh, having some legs because those were definitely the two uh, biggest stars of that era from the last five, the five years before that. And just to have them at the top of a promotion would surely just have a lot of name value right there. And I do agree with you that. Yeah. What do you think? A, you know, roughly year after WCW closed the door and just how huge Goldberg was for WCW and how popular Hogan or not Hogan Austin was yeah. in the attitude era Monday night wars. I feel like if these, those two would be, even the faces of a new wrestling promotion, you know, a year or so after WCW, ECW closed their doors, I feel like that could possibly bring a few fans back in to even watch a episode or two of their TV if they get a TV deal or a pay-per-view or whatever else, just to see what they have to offer because, uh, like we've talked about a few minutes ago with AEW, just how WCW, even at the end, was a turd in the punch bowl alternative, but at least it was an alternative to WWF at the time frame, and I just like the idea of, you know, in a possible world, a different alternate timeline, Steve Austin and Goldberg came together and started their own promotion. Yeah, it's just, uh, the only things that make it tricky is that in O2, you have the creation and then ultimate failure of the, I think it's called the XWF, the one that Jimmy Hart and Hogan uh, created. Wasn't that a, wasn't Tony Schiavone and Jerry Lawler their commentators for a taping or two or something like that? I think, I think that sounds correct. Yep. And I mean, so when you look at that, you have um, some pretty, I mean, undisputably the biggest name in the past 30 years of 20, 25 years at that point. Um, two of the biggest commentators, like right at that moment, um, even mean Gene was there. Heenan was there. So like, those are some pretty big names too. And that was just a, a fart. It was, uh, it was nothing. So it, that that goes to show you that name value isn't everything that distribution um, has a lot to do with it, too. And I guess one more thing I do for sure would like to get your thoughts on because of him actually finally ways taking it seriously and being trained in, what are your thoughts on David Arquette getting back into wrestling. Oh man. Um, I don't know. I not a huge fan of it just cause like, he's just kind of like this old dude, uh, who's, you know, mostly an actor and I don't want to see him get hurt. Uh, and I don't really think 
I didn't think he was that entertaining as an actor. Uh, I don't really think he's very entertaining as a wrestler. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it on him for me. So I I am sure you agree with a David Letterman quote when David Arquette was on the late show with David David or David Letterman during 2002-ish to promote a movie. I'm sure you agree with David Letterman on on telling Arquette that that's nonsense, that's ridiculous, you're a weakling. <laughs> yes, I would agree. Okay, now I have a news item for you that I need to tell you. Can, can okay, you, Before, let me interrupt because I don't feel like I answered your question. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yes, I kind of like the idea that Arquette's at least somewhat trying to get into it, be more serious than his cup of coffee with the WCW title, even though what I can remember from WCW TV, it was, it was a joke that Arquette stumbled upon winning the world title yep. at, at a Thunder, pitting Eric Bischoff to win DDP's world title, who was his tag team partner in that match. Correct, correct. But you know, I know that was always a joke, and it just seemed like from the from the couple quotes I got from when Arquette was on with Letterman that Letterman seemed to be, it made it out to be a joke and Arquette went along with it. But at least Arquette is, I give him A for effort for at least trying to make it a thing nowadays of trying his hand at professional wrestling. So I sure. give him, I give him a round of applause for at least that. I get that. Yeah, I get that. That makes, Yeah. Any, anybody trying to, I get that. Okay, so I was on looking at the XWF. First off, do you who do you think was the the final XWF champion? I I'm not. I'm just okay. trying to rack my brain because I thought for some odd reason there may have been a like three disc set of best. XWF matches, because for some reason I believe I owned it, and <laughs> sweet, and only watched a few matches before selling it. But <laughs> I want to say, for some reason, Kurt Henning is being brought to mind of maybe being a former XWF champion. So let's just say, for that sake, Mister Perfect was the last XWF champion. Okay, now I believe he did hold that. But the last champion was Viscera. So, <laughs> so then I got onto the Viscera page, and you can you can tell me if this is morbid or not. But apparently, so he has passed away. First off, he was only forty three when he died, which is uh, way too young. Well, it's just crazy. But like in that means in two thousand fourteen, he was uh, uh, forty three. That means in ninety five when he was getting that huge push, he was just twenty three, twenty four years old. But anyway, when he passed away, uh, his wife divided his ashes into 500 pendants and then gave them as gifts to his loved ones. I just think that's a, an interesting thing. And uh, I don't know. Do you have a pendant of uh, Viscera's ashes? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't either. And... <laughs> I was going to say there was a whole lot of Big Daddy V to go around. Yeah, right. Yes, I. that was, to be fair, that was the first thing I thought of, too. I was like, well, 
I I, I feel like sh- there were enough ashes to be made into this five. And my recipe is Big Daddy V. And not to be, I, I do will admit that that's not one of the weirdest things I've ever heard of. Before. Sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. Because I know my mom, one of her close friends, passed away within the last few years, and her kids had her cremated, and mom obviously went for the celebration of life thing. And they they just told people, you know, a couple of her close friends to grab some of her ashes and let uh, let it go on the river uh, that I think ran through their property or on the kids' properties and all that, so... Okay. I thought that was a cool idea, yeah. a cool concept and such. So Wait, I kind of like the idea of a pennant of that contained a little bit of Big Daddy V. <laughs> yeah, that's your that's your guy. Go for it. <laughs> Which I'm happy you're giggling at that. Yes. Well, if he's your man, do it. Live with the live with the V. Big Daddy V. Reading Rainbow. Star Trek. <laughs> at first I was like why did you just say reading rainbow but then I got the uh, I got the LeVar Burton reference and I know an idea that I kicked by you was once in a great while me bringing up a topic a, a topic I found interesting listening to a few paranormal podcast that I do listen to once in a great while and a few weeks back on the Kingdom of Nye with Heather Wade on a Friday night open line she posed a question to her listeners I want to pose to you because I feel like it ties in with history per se with your your job too and that question was how will civilization end and I want to, I guess, pose that question to you because I just feel like that is a fun discussion question because of obviously the Great Pyramids in Egypt and in Plato's writing back in the day when he was a huge philosopher back buttload of years ago was about <laughs> Atlantis and all that. And pe- different people have different theories on why different civilizations came and gone. Mm-hmm. And all that, and I just feel like that'll be a fun discussion to ask, for us to talk about for a few minutes before we close the doors for this episode. And I guess, what are your thoughts on the ending of civilization as we know it? Um, I mean, so different civilizations have ended in different ways, uh, as you were talking about. Um, a lot of times it's it's been through war or um, just conquest from different other civilizations. Um, I'd probably put my money just on climate change, uh, some type of uh, environmental disaster that would lead to the end. Um, rising sea levels, uh, change in weather patterns uh, that – get worse and worse um that that'd probably be my guess i think it's it's not as fun as saying like like some like big alien takeover or something like that but well i I just i just feel like that'd probably be it i do i can see your idea because the last winter that we had here in minnesota was some of the most record-setting lows i think negative yep 
20 or negative 30 or whatever before the wind chill. And we didn't really have much of a typical a summer that we, summer since we're in the end of August and it's really getting cool again. So I do like your idea about, well, I can see your idea, I should say, on climate change bringing the end of the world. And I've heard a lot of rumblings about like EVP attack and knocking out our power grid and all that possibly a, w- a way of ending our civilization of how connected we are to our power with our refrigerators to all that stuff on that could be a factor into us going a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And I think the, just the weather changes relating to food and water source uh, sources and shortages of those probably will be it just because as the, uh, as the world heats up areas that we grow uh, food in and um, where water is sadly will likely dry up um, and desertify desertification will take place there. Um, and there just will be less and less uh, area to grow crops. And um, I get your, your electricity point um, that would go with it too. Yeah. Should we go south like Governor Ventura and live in Mexico for a few months every winter? <laughs> um, I that's up to you. I I like the winter, so uh, I'd I'd rather be here than than somewhere hot. So come on, grow out! Don't you want to be off the grid with me, Jesse the Body Ventura? Dude, I love the grid. Uh, I can't be <laughs> off the grid for more than like. Like 15 minutes. I, I need the grid probably more than most people. So it is it is very necessary for me to be on the grid. Oh, think of it, which I am weird and goofy. I, <laughs> I do remember us shooting emails back and forth within the last several months that I remember you saying you, you've been going through with Mrs. Hills on 1992 WWF Superstars. Oh, yes. I do want to get your thoughts on of what you've been seeing on Superstars in 1992 and what was Mrs. Hills' thoughts on thugging and bugging with you watching WWF from 1992. Okay, yes, this was a huge part of our summer and a hilarious part of our summer, too. Um, the aforementioned uh, run-in by Mrs. Hills and uh, now she's out of the house. I wish I could ask her. But um, it, w- it was really interesting watching it with someone who has absolutely no clue of the time uh, and wrestling in general. It's, it's something uh, just, just really interesting to see the different viewpoint she had. And um, she really liked... Let's see, uh, Jimmy Hart, and uh, and that and it's cool to see that like yeah he is really an interesting figure. Um, it almost gave me a new perspective on you know getting rid of getting rid of my like jaded perspective a little bit and just like watching it fresh. Like yeah, he's a really entertaining manager. Um, he's always doing stuff. He's uh, very 
uh, flamboyant, always uh, cheering on his teams. He's uh, she was really impressed that he had a different coat for every uh, uh, tag team he was with. Uh, and individuals too. Let's see. She hates the berserker um, <laughs> for his constant hussing. Um, she let's see who else does she really like? Oh, she really likes Coco Beware. Like that is by far her favorite, um, which is hilarious. She really liked his flying drop kick, uh, and she loved the bird. And then. As time went on and as high energy started, she absolutely loved that he'd go, high energy, (laughs) either at the beginning or end of every uh, promo. Um, hmm, What else? Well, not so much on through her perspective, but I thought it was it was really interesting on how they were doing storylines and that um, it didn't seem like they always concluded. Uh, the Undertaker Berserker feud was one of those that seemed to just kind of stop the, um, and I mean, that almost had a murder in it. Berserker almost stabbed Undertaker to death. Uh, the storyline of Rick the Model Martel, uh, stealing Tatanka's feathers really didn't have much of an ending. Um, I'm sure the thing is that they ended on house shows and it shows that the uh, importance of house shows uh, is a lot different than now. Which I find to be, I guess, fun to look back and see how different the wrestling business is and how it evolves to us having a couple of different streaming devices or, you know, WWE network and YouTube daily motion compared to, I remember Eddie Goodwill buying a couple of WCW pay-per-views from 99 or 2000 and us watching one of them. I think it was when Chris Benoit won the world title on his last night from Sid because the title is vacant. I remember watching that tape with you and you I think you tell me to if I could can't ever find the Great American Bash two thousand on VHS, I should totally buy it. I think for a Steen Vampiro match or whatnot that they had. <laughs> but yeah, because it brings happiness to my heart to hear that Mrs. Hills was sitting down with you watching wrestling because going back and looking through some of the past episodes we've done one of my favorite episodes that you and I had done was the Women of Main Event Status Radio oh my gosh, episode. Was, yes. Just having one awesome, of my very favorites. Having Mrs. Hills on for a match and having Mother D on for a match, talking about Judy Bigwell on a, on a forklift match. And it's <laughs> That's just, the one we watch with your mom? Yes. That's awesome. I couldn't remember if it was that one. Or the one where Junkyard Dog's mom is there. I'm really glad that we watched the Judy Bagel on a forklift match. So, that makes me very happy. But yeah, it's always fun for me to, whenever we chat through email or on Skype or whatever, it's always fun for me to hear whatever, to hear what you're watching about or get your thoughts on it. But more importantly, hearing what Mrs. Hills thinks about with whatever you guys are watching. And it just yeah, brings happiness to my heart that... Mrs. Hills did a run-in towards the start of the show <laughs> and in essence is be a part of the conversation towards the closing of the show. 
Oh yeah. Oh yes. It bookends. It bookends the the whole deal. And I know one of the last times we talked on Skype over the summer, you guys were getting close to SummerSlam '92. Yep. And I did a episode with Fran Derry of Russell with the Dog over Bulldog, British Bulldog versus Bret Hart from uh, from SummerSlam '92. Yeah. And one thing I always thought was unique that I remember us discussing was the pairing of Vince McMahon with Bobby Heaton at the color booth. Mm-hmm. Because some of my favorite pairings I'll see is McMahon and Jesse Ventura, then Bobby Heaton with Gorilla Monsoon. And I know Bobby and McMahon has done shows together, but I feel like it's few and far between. And I just felt like just even watch that, that main event match from SummerSlam 92 on how fun of chemistry that Bobby Heenan and Vince McMahon had together. And I just want to get your thoughts on to hear if they were paired together for some superstars in 92. Yeah, uh, I don't... Oh, no, it was mostly McMahon and Perfect for superstars. Um, but that I, you know, I didn't find uh, McMahon and Heenan as such a great pair just because I think Heenan moves at such a fast pace and fast pace and he needs somebody who can keep up with them. And I don't think in my opinion that McMahon seems to be able to improvise as quickly as uh, Heenan can. Um, whereas like Gorilla is, you know, tick for tack, uh, with, um, with Heenan, with Ventura. And that's why those, those teams are so well remembered, I think, is that, uh, they can keep up with each other. And I don't know if Vince always can. Fair enough. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's probably why people really don't remember much of the pairing of Vince McMahon with Bobby Heenan. And, but yeah, I just Thought it was fun because I know you and I talked about how Bobby Heenan had a crown for that SummerSlam pay per view. I love that. Love that. Saying that he was the king of England and he's moving the castle to Beverly Hills, California. (laughs) It's made me think of you because I don't know why Bobby Heenan just doesn't bring the castle right Right to you because you are Beverly Hills. I am. I'm now in the castle of Beverly Hills. That's me. So I just feel like also a fun way to close the show is. All right. Seeing if you have any closing thoughts, closing comments, fun, bad, inspirational, anything for the listeners of Mid Event Status Radio. Oh man, so cl- oh gosh. Well, I got I can't blow them all today. I do have to save for future um, episodes. But um, oh man, this is a deep subject. Um, in general, just. Uh, Shoot. I'd say just be nice to each other. That's that's my comment that I'll end with. Be nice to each other. Respect that other people have different opinions uh, and learn from them. I do like that comment. I do want to also say that, well, words of John Mellencamp, life is short, even in its longest days, and we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So words of Beverly, and to piggyback, be nice today because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I like it. I like it. That's a good one, big guy. I'll see you guys can reach out, reach us out, Mr. Beverly Hills at Beverly Hills MES. I'm at the Dirty Dog MES, dog as in D-A-W-G, <laughs> at Dirty Dog MES on the Twitter. And I feel like what better way to close a show as, as by saying, 
So Long from the North Star State of Mind. Boy, well, baby boy Smith be sucking up to me if he wins that title. Oh, will he now? Baby boy Smith for the ride. Red Hart goes down, tears back up. Oh, yes! Nice maneuver by the hitman. thing that's taking the beating. No, it's the British Bulldog. You mean the pound where he lives? I beg your pardon? The pound where not he... The pound, not the pound I'm talking about. Make yourself clear. I'm in a foreign country. Nobody here speaks English. I thought you were the king of England. I am the king of England. Still a foreign country. I'm moving the castle over to Beverly Hills. Over now. The hitman Bret Hart. Would you stop it? Oh, stop what? I tell you what I want, but I really, really want. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. What I really, really want is sicky, sick, ah. What the heck was that all about? That was amazing. It should get, you should get much more time than anyone else. That is our show. Good night.